This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we are investing Warren Buffett style. Oh, we just got we done. Just we just got done investing. talking about Warren Warren's uh, phenomenal legacy as a teacher, as a person of enormous integrity. Um, about Cicero, we went far afield into Cicero, um, a Stoic. I suppose some was, might think that's far afield, but I disagree. Who is creating the argument that that a, a life well lived uh, results in an old age of uh, great joy because you look back on the good things you did, and you lived a life of integrity, and that, that pays off big time um, when you're older. And yes. um, we, could, we, we got there because Charlie basically was talking about Warren in that context, quoting Cicero. And it, it's also could be easily said about Charlie Munger and the, the kind of integrity that these, these guys have and the kind of teaching they've done is changing the world for thousands and thousands of us. And we're really privileged to be able to be part of that. And it's exciting. And that's what this podcast is all about, is being part of that revolution of investing that Munger and Buffett brought to the world, um, kind of via Ben Graham and the, as their mentor, but which we're helping carry forward in, in our own way and essentially saying, yeah, let's, let's get this out there. Let's, let's get more people able to believe in themselves in their own ability to manage their own money and not have to rely on somebody else. And I'm well, thinking, for me, now, this podcast is all about learning how to invest in a very real way. Okay. And all that Which, other stuff sounds nice, but I'm not sure I want to buy into it until... I, what? <laughs> until I know how to invest in a very real way. <laughs> what? So. Wait, wait, wait. This, this is, I mean, we've just done a couple of podcasts on how it's not about the money. It's about the life. It's and money is just a tool. And, and now you're saying that none of this matters unless you know how to invest the right way, which actually is probably true. I think that you were saying that's what this podcast is about. And oh, I, I did there, not huh? buy into that at all uh, uh-huh. for about the first, um, what are we on? Like 231 or about the first 230 episodes. Or so. So. <laughs> okay. So the podcast <laughs> has been about pretty hardcore <laughs> understanding about how to do this. Yeah. And like, why would anybody ever want to do this stuff? Because it sure seems to really suck. That's basically my attitude. So um, I love everything Don't that you said. To her. It doesn't suck. This was her old attitude. Now she That's knows right. it's not true. That's right. So I love everything that you said because I do agree with you. And also, I think that for people who don't feel like that, it's okay. It's totally normal. We don't have to feel like investing is this amazing like uh, all about creating a fantastic life's well-lived blah, blah. Like it, it can just be like something that you're trying to figure out and it's okay for it to feel hard. No? 
Well, yeah, it's okay for, yeah, for sure. It's okay for it to feel hard. No question. It's, and I love the idea of, of investing as a practice. I think that's huge. I love the thought that fear of the unknown is a big part of what's holding people back Mm -hmm. from getting involved in this thing. And our job is to make the unknown known in large regard with, with regard to how to invest. So in all, in all truth, And I think you do such a good job of that at rule one. Like you show how to make the unknown known. You show how to invest. And I think that the work you do is incredible. And so many people are learning. We, we really, we really enjoy teaching it. It's, it's a powerful, powerful thing to watch people learn this over a three day period. It's incredible. Um, mm-hmm. to see how, how novice investors go from, oh my gosh, I can't even believe I'm sitting in on this to being able to completely understand the process that they're going <laughs> through. Now that doesn't mean it's easy. And we emphasize that, right? Mm-hmm. It, it means if we can learn this in three days, it means it's simple. You know, you can learn snowboarding in three days. It doesn't put you on the double black. The concepts hill. are there. Yeah. The concepts are all there. And then it's just working through them mm-hmm. and making sure you, you're working through them properly um, as you go forward. But the, the hard part, what, what is not easy about this is that I think the hardest part, once you, once you understand it, is being patient enough to stay well within your circle of competence to stay in that narrow range of stuff that you've committed to understand well. And that's hard. It, it is mm-hmm. so easy. As you're starting to learn how to do this, you're starting to read more about things. The world starts to open up. You start to feel like, wow, everything I look at mm-hmm. is a potential investment. It's all like, wow, this is all great. And then it's so easy to slide off of a narrow focus. That's that's very true. That's very true. So I've just I've just created this whole course, which is about getting to that point where you can even start to learn the nuts and bolts and start to know what to do with investing. The part where which I feel like I missed completely, which was like, how on earth do I even make this a part of my life? How do I deal with how terrified I feel? How do I deal with like how much pain this feels like to me and start to connect it with my life and start to see those, as you just said, like completely opening up all around you that like everything you see is a potential investment. That's actually a really good point, but then you need to narrow it and you need to learn what to do. And that's where you go to your workshop and you start to, uh, to really learn exactly what to do. But first you've got to get there. First and that's get the there. toughest thing. I mean, why, tell me, what do you think? Why do people, how do, how do you overcome that inertia or even worse, the fear of investing and the uncertainty of investing and, 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 and feeling like it's going to take forever. You don't have the time. It, it's just a bunch of numbers. Totally. It's, it's, it's all about crap. following the joy. It's all about following the joy. Do not follow the stuff that feels like pain, that feels boring, that feels like you're working at it. Because I don't know about you, but I am not going to keep doing that for very long. Like I could probably make it like two weeks. Let's get into that for a second. Because 
let's say that as a beginning investor, I'm trying to put myself back when I came off the river and went to work for the wolf and just went, okay, I'm going to apprentice to this thing. And, you know, I could yeah. get behind sweeping the floors. I got, I got that part of it pretty good. But to the rest of it, what, what was the darkness that was surrounding me was just this certainty that I was unprepared in any way through my family, through anything I'd ever learned to step into this world. It was just completely foreign. Okay. It was like dropping into another country and, and not knowing the language and right. it's just all of the intimidation that was there. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like to me. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Nothing makes sense in this country. You actually felt like that? You have never said that to me before. Yeah, that's what it was like for the first few weeks that I was there. You only ever talked about how it was so interesting and you loved learning it and you weren't afraid of it at all. Well, in the big picture, that's what comes out at the other end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm just trying to put myself in those shoes right now for the first time, just thinking back about what it what it was. I mean, I was, I'd made the deep dive into this thing, right? I mean, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. Uh-huh. And for me, that wasn't part-time. That was full on, you know, mm -hmm. I'm committing mm -hmm. to an apprenticeship. And so that was exciting. And it's always so, exciting to do something. Did you new. even know what you were committing to? I was committing to getting, um, to becoming an investor. That's, that's the essence of what I knew. I didn't know what it meant to be an investor. That's, yeah. That's what I'm asking. Did you know what that meant? No, <laughs> I thought it meant money. It was going to be money. Only you. <laughs> <laughs> It was going to be money. And I just hit this place in my life where I, I didn't know what I was going to do next, but I knew I was done with the river. Mm -hmm. And um, money seemed like a good place to go. It's like when you're drowning, any, uh, any yeah, lifeboat any that comes by. Any looks like a good idea. Yeah. And that was it. It didn't have to know that it was the right thing. It just, it's what took me across the edge, right? Is that, okay, well, maybe I can do this. Because the guy that was teaching me had started with nothing. Mm. You know, although he was smarter than I was and all it seemed I like. I doubt and, it. You put yourself <laughs> down a lot. <laughs> well, I'm, I know my limits, you know, I know my limits and, and there are many smarter people than me out there. So I, you know, I didn't think it was, it was going, I, I just didn't know. I just thought I, I'm going to do this. I'm jumping in with both feet mm -hmm. and it was like landing in a foreign country. And weirdly, of course, in my time in the military, uh, even coming to the river was like landing in a foreign country. So I'd had some experience of landing in foreign countries, both literally and figuratively. And I was pretty, I knew I could survive. I knew I, I was good enough at getting along in whatever foreign place I was landing that I could, I could survive there. And maybe that was my edge that I didn't really think about that maybe. much. Maybe, yeah. You know? You're comfortable with discomfort. Yeah. I was comfortable with discomfort. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, having been in foreign places where, you know, someone is actively trying to kill you is, is easier, is, it makes it easier to jump into some kind of foreign place where they're not. Yeah, well, it's like when we started and you basically said something to me like, Nobody's shooting at you. How hard can this be? Exactly. And I was just like, that helps me in no way. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I have zero response to that. And what can I tell you? I'm still totally freaked out. You know, not, not to take this too deeply, but 
we've taught an awful lot of of veterans and uh, and the preponderance of them have been people from the from my world which is army special forces operations and the special operations teams you know we've had a lot of seals come through our training and a lot of green berets uh and i you know in fact even the commanding officer of fifth special forces group went through our training and I mean, it's just gone out through the special operations groups and these guys, these guys jump right into it. They're not afraid of it at all because of course nobody's shooting at you. It's a different foreign country, but their confidence in being able to manage a Mm -hmm. new situation is very high relative to the general population, obviously, right? These are pretty special, especially trained people have an aptitude for that kind of thing, for that kind of risk. And this is something that you've told me many times is that I, I just don't perceive the risk levels yeah. that you perceive getting into it. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I didn't, I wasn't afraid of the foreign country. Um, I knew, I knew I was in deep darkness and I didn't understand the language and what am I going to do here? But I wasn't afraid to get in there and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a massive difference. And it's a difference that makes those of us who don't feel like that feel like we are are not as good, are intimidated from the beginning, shouldn't even start, what's the point, um, and out of the game, and too just uncomfortable to even start to ask questions. So, I mean, that's why I didn't do investing until I was, what, 34? So... So what's it's, what's the process then? I what mean, is, so what for is the me, for a huge part of that? it, talk about like lessons learned. Like for me, deciding that it was okay to not feel about it the way you felt about it and that it was okay to be me in this situation was a massive first step, like the absolute key first step. And what that meant was it's okay for me to follow the stuff that's interesting to me and joyful and fun and ignore the rest of it because I had to do that or else I would stop. And I didn't want to stop. And I didn't want to make this situation be one filled with pain and, and a practice that I really didn't want to do. So the answer to that to me was like, be me, be myself, be Danielle. And I liked to read about like yoga companies and like organic food. So that's cool. Do that. It doesn't have to be hard. And yet like we, the, the non-financial people, the people who are not naturally drawn to this stuff feel like it has to be hard or else it's not working. It's like the pain means that it's working for some reason, but that I completely reject that. That's not true. So Like I have a friend who started, who read our book and then she's a optometrist. So she's not, she hasn't been shot at and she (laughs) started to do investing practice. And I saw her in New York. um, I don't know, a few months later. And I said, how I knew she had been doing this. So I was like, Oh, how's it going? You know, like, tell me how your practice is going. Are you having fun with it? And she goes, well, I was, so I decided that I would read the business section of the Wall Street Journal every single day, and that would be my practice. And I was just like, 
you decided to read the entire business section of the Wall Street Journal every single day? And she goes, yeah. And I said, how long did you make it? And she was like, um, about 10 days. And now I have a stack of newspapers on my apartment floor that are up to my <laughs> hip and that I'm waiting to get to someday. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like, of course you didn't follow through with that. But she was like, I felt like I should. And I mean, that's just the exact opposite wrong thing to do. It's like she created a situation where she was set up to fail because it wasn't fun to do that. It takes way too long and you're not going to be interested in all the stuff that's in the entire business section of the Wall Street Journal. I can guarantee that's that. That's such a good insight. You, you really aren't going to be interested. Most of it is completely unnecessary to read, which is, I mean... I love what you're saying. It's like, and it's why we, we want people to focus on things that they're already passionate about, you know, and right. just focus on that. So, right. So, um, so taking that perspective that like, if it hurts, don't do it is something that will keep us coming back to the practice. And all you have to do is do that for a little while, like maybe like, a month or two and the practice will start to become really integrated and you'll start to see like this is what happened to me I started to see these investments as you just said the kind of all over the place and it opened up my eyes and then that's when I started to learn more specifically okay like I can now feel my fear I can have some perspective on it I understand what to do when I feel it I have my practice space I have my office set up I know what I'm doing here I know that I can show up to practice I know how to um, feel that I've done my practice and now what do I actually do okay then you dive in right but you have the deep grounding of your practice there. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that is such a powerful thing to me to, to think about it starting from that point of view rather than, okay, let's uh, analyze this company. Right. Which is basically where yeah, we're but, starting. But you love that. Yeah. So that's on that worked for you. Like that's awesome. But I just think there's, there's lots of people who are like me, who, who can use a little more like bit of a transition to that. And I think that's really what kept me from starting to invest for so many years was I didn't, I didn't even know there was that gap and I didn't know how to bridge the gap. And so I had to like basically invent that bridge. So I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here about where we are in the sort of market cycle, right? Uh, I was listening mm. to, you know, <laughs> CNBC, which is such an entertaining channel they have, of course, a position on everything uh, from every possible <laughs> point of view. There's somebody there. And so you, there's somebody to say, sell that, no, buy that. Yes, exactly. And, and right now, of course, there's a lot of concern about the stock market uh, as we could potentially enter a recession. And then there's Trump actively lobbying the Federal Reserve to drop interest rates. And there was an article today that they might. They're planning on it. Here go interest rates down, which could stimulate the market. And then when someone comes in and says, ah, oh, well, the, the market's going to stay in this framework with 1% interest rates for a long, long time, which means it's going to 36,000. The Dow Jones will go up by 40% in the next, wow. um, next few years. So 
I, I mean, mm-hmm. you have these, and of course, then you have the other point of view, which is like, watch out below because we're about to enter a recession. It's been over 10 years. We're due and it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the Dow is going to mm-hmm. go down to 10,000, right? So you mm-hmm. have these, and that's creates the market. Then you have these market forces. Otherwise, everybody yeah, would totally. buy. Totally. And the prices would go through to insanity until somebody went, this is crazy. It's going to go down. So that's is just the market and, and the daily CNBC, you know, news about the market. But there is, there is this sense out there that, that things are getting scary. Do you, you, you feel that as well? Yeah. I think all the volatility, the ups and downs, basically on any sort of political news is really making everybody realize that these, that the, the market is emotional, that these movements are, there. are emotional, are based on fear or optimism based on these little snippets of, of, you know, China versus the U S essentially. And it's just, I think it's just so many short termers just not knowing quite what's going on and, and just moving at things like crazy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And there's, I mean, there's so much about this that I wanted to talk about. One of the things I wanted to talk about was this incredibly good investor named Michael Burry, who we've talked about here on the podcast before, um, who was featured as one of the heroes of the big short book and the big short movie. Um, and he made a hundred million dollars personally um, as a result of his positions against real estate in 2006 and seven. And he made his investors over $700 million in that time period. And they hated him for it, which was fascinating. Well, right up until he made the money. <laughs> I, I think they hated him even afterwards. You think? Yeah. Nobody ever wrote him a thank you note. <laughs> he, he shut down his fund because he'd never, no appreciation whatsoever for making this incredible investment. Well, so for people who don't know the story, who haven't seen the movie or read the book, what happened is that he bet against real estate and did that for what? Like at least like a year and a half or something, like a a long time. But it wasn't a bet. I mean, he had total certainty that this had to fail. I just used that word because you used it. Um, And he went so far as to go create the short position. I mean, there wasn't a way to say, oh yeah, these bonds in real estate are going to go down. How do you how do you take a short position and make money when they go down? And he figured out how to do it. He got Goldman Sachs and other companies to create insurance policies called CDOs, which would pay off if those bonds failed. And it was right. genius. I mean, you have to be a genius to think up stuff like this. And he did. And they all, if you watch the movie, they all thought he was crazy, happy to take his money. And he had to pay out on this insurance. So it was like paying insurance premiums month after month after month after month for a couple of years and to the tune of millions of dollars of his investors' money. And his investors were sophisticated people and they were furious. A couple of them were big hedge fund managers. And they were like, you are just blowing our money and you got to give me my money back if that's what you're going to do. And Burry would just remind them, I'm sorry, but I have total control. I get to make this decision. And they started suing him. Right. <laughs> like they were, they were not just upset. Right. They started to sue him for the they money right up until the entire market crashed and he made all the money. And then they were like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
Oh, we'll drop. Never mind. We'll drop the lawsuit. Never mind. But we're not yeah. thanking you, you son of a gun. And just <laughs> so it was, it was so fascinating. Anyway, Burry is, um, by all accounts, a brilliant investor, and he shut down Cyan Fund for a while, and he reopened it. And you know, now we can take a look at yeah. kind of what he's buying into. And s- well, so he completely walked away. He was just like, forget this whole investing other people's money craziness. Yeah. This is terrible. And he had great personal wealth after that um, cash out. And so he just walked away. I, I thought that he would never invest other people's money ever again. I don't know why he would. I think he but found, apparently I think he, found a he group has decided of, to do so. I, I think he, I'm pretty sure if we were to talk to him, he he would say that he found a group of people who see the, the world the way he does and are willing to wait it out um, when he makes so. it. Because I, I, he's small enough. He's got like $340 million or something. Um, it's small enough that it's probably not institutional, most of it. And so he doesn't have to deal with the institutions thinking they know more than he does or needing to have a short-term return or all of the things mm-hmm. we've talked about. Um, and he's back in the game. And I just want to say that he's not the only guy that ever basically shut down his fund after having to listen to in just people who were completely wrong and he knew they were wrong, demanding that he do something different. Julian Robertson did the same thing and he had an mm. incredible track record for 20 years, um, way, way better than Buffett's. And he shut down his fund in 1999 and then reopened it similarly here to uh, to Bury after he found investors who would just leave him alone. And Buffett did the same thing, shutting down his funds in 1969 um, and telling people, look, you know, go invest in mutual funds or do whatever you want to do, or you can buy this stock that I own, um, Berkshire Hathaway. So it, it, it seems that it's difficult for great investors in this tradition of not following the crowd, um, being to a large degree contrarian in your point of view, willing to buy companies that everybody's afraid of, um, mm-hmm. is classic rule one investing. And totally. in which you will have to learn if you're going to be a great investor, you need to buy companies when they're on sale and they're not on sale unless people are afraid of them, unless they don't know anything about them. And if you them. are going to withstand that, I don't care if you're me or you or Michael Burry or Warren Buffett, you have to be pretty strong emotionally to handle everybody else going against you Which re- for a long time, maybe. Right. And that requires a high degree of comfort that you're right. And so yeah. just to refresh, we get that in our investing by sticking to our knitting. What do we really understand a lot about and not investing in something until we're quite certain we really understand the business very well. And then making sure we understand it that it's a business that can protect itself and will be around bigger than ever in 10 years. And once we have the, that thing, we, we're very confident it'll be around in 10 years, bigger than ever. Then we don't worry so much about it going through the bumps, you know, of the ups and downs of life. Um, then all we're doing is looking for an opportunity for one of those bumps to give us, you know, give us the stock at a great price. And um, if it bumps more down the road, we'll buy it some more at an even better price. That's fine. So that's that's the basics of the whole thing. Now, what fascinated me about Burry um, recently is that. He came out with a huge warning sign, and Burry's yeah, smart. Yeah, I think we should talk about that next Shall time. Shall we? Okay, gigantic yeah. warning. If you're in broad market mutual funds or indexes or ETFs, exchange-traded funds that track indexes, in other words, if you're in a 401k, you almost certainly he says, Watch out. are in this situation. 
So we'll talk about why next time. Yeah. As in um, super, super dangerous right now. And I'll just say, Burke. if you're somebody who's interested in all that stuff I was talking about earlier, you can go to my website, daniellettown.com, go to resources, and then click on course. It's called Mostly Invested. And if you sign up pre-register, because it's not out yet, you'll find out about the early bird pricing, which will be a significant discount. And can I just say... So, that yes, you are my daughter. So yes, I am not particularly objective about this whole thing, but I am <laughs> objective about this business of teaching, investing. Uh -oh. And what's this going to be? This is going to be a plug. This is, I oh. think what you've built is fantastic. And for everyone that isn't just like, yeah, I'm an investor, let's do it. Um, if you're feeling fear or concern or uncertainty, or how do you even begin this is where you begin. So go go take that thing. This is where you begin. That's exactly right. Thank you. You're welcome. And from there, there's so much exciting, wonderful stuff to learn. And it just becomes a really, as you can see, like I actually like this stuff. It becomes a great part of your life. Yeah. Who knew? If you want, if you want joy, Evan, in your life to <laughs> you increase while increasing your wealth, I mean, this is, this is where you start. It doesn't really get better than that. <laughs> it doesn't. All right. So next time we're going to talk about Michael Burry's warning about ETFs and index funds. And uh, from the profit of the real estate crash to his next prophecy yeah. of the next crash. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Until All right. Then, time to go thanks play. everybody. See you. Bye. Hi guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.